to laugh And when the sun is out I've got something I can laugh about I feel good in a special way And it has been another great week in Anderson Welcome to the Anderson Reserver Podcast for May 24th, 2021 it has been hot and dry, and the weather has been a boom. Construction projects, including big projects at Paul, Green Pine, Toxaway Middle Site, the Viva Tire Center, some other places. Uh, AIM and Anderson County's partnership to offer pandemic help is still available for landlords and renters, so you can find out about that. Uh, economic development in the county keeps moving ahead. Graduation season is upon us, and a different kind of South Carolina State chili cook-off in Belton went really well. All this and more on today's Anderson Reserver Podcast. News from people you trust. After an incredible spring... With cool days, nice breezes holding on as long as they could. Summer has come storming in, and it looks like it's going to hold on to at least this weekend with temperatures in the 90s. And sunny days are bringing um, and expediting a number of construction projects which have been on hold for a while. And I've talked to several folks around the county about these, these projects, and I'm going to run through some of those and some of the people I interviewed about them. I started with Anderson County Governmental Affairs Director Steve Newton, who was talking about a, the late county councilwoman Gracie Floyd's pet project, the cleanup of the Toxaway Mill site. All right, Steve, tell me what's going on out here today. What's going on out here today is that we are working to complete one of Miss Gracie Floyd's legacy projects, and that is the cleanup of the old Toxaway and Riverside Mill sites. This work began back in 2009 originally, uh, and uh, and we've been cleaning up in stages over the past several years as funding has become available. What kind of stuff are we cleaning up out here? What we have here are the remains of old mill buildings. And uh, what this site qualifies is is a, is a brownfield site because there was uh, asbestos, asbestos containing materials uh, in all the piles of debris out here along with lead and other materials like that so uh, it wasn't the kind of thing where we could just send some guys out here with a you know with a bulldozer and haul it away somewhere we have to take special preventative measures whenever we're dealing with this hazardous waste that's why in the background behind me you could see an area cordoned off with white uh, rope um, and also within that area we have a man who's doing asbestos air monitoring to ensure that uh, asbestos isn't being release into the atmosphere at a level that will be uh, harmful to the workers or to the community. And you mentioned Brownfield. Talk about how this is being paid for. Brownfield uh, sites are recognized uh, by the federal government and have been for several years as being uh, a direct threat to the public health, safety, and welfare. And those are really the primary functions of government. So the federal government has been generous in um, uh, providing funding for various programs that help us assess the kind of contaminants we have at brownfield sites, also providing funds for cleaning up the sites. This site, uh, over the years, we have spent probably in the neighborhood of $1.2 million since 2009. Uh, half of that has been paid for directly with grant funds from the federal government. Uh, the rest of it has been funded through a, uh, uh, a low-term uh, or long-term low-interest loan that is available through the state's brownfield program, and a large part of the money that we borrowed to finish this project will be forgiven upon project completion. 
So a very, very small amount of local funds actually goes into this project. But we take what we have, we leverage it, leverage it with what the feds uh, have to offer us, and we work with the state, and we bring it all together. And why is it important for the county to clean up these old mill sites? Toxaway and Riverside, these mills here, are only two of several old mill sites in Anderson County, most of which are either in or around the Anderson city limits. Uh, I think that everybody who is from Anderson or has a, uh, a sense of Anderson's history knows that this community was built on textiles, but like all good things, sometimes times just change and those jobs were no longer sustainable and the mills ended up closing. When they closed, they were, ownership was transferred in most cases between several different entities until all useful value had been gotten out of the building or its contents. And then they were left to rot and fall into stages of disrepair. Having these sites in, uh, in a neighborhood most definitely, definitely has negative impact on the quality of life for the people who live in that neighborhood. And we consider it part of our function here at Anderson County to come in, try to deal with these problems, um, and uh, help to spur a renewed sense of confidence and vitality to a community by taking away uh, such a sort of blight and, uh, and, and negative impacts. And what kind of things can this property be used for once it's cleaned up? Once it's cleaned up, it won't be, uh, we won't be in a position to where anything can go on the site. Because of the type of contamination here, uh, we would not be able, for instance, to do a, uh, uh, a single family residential subdivision here. In fact, uh, we might be able to do some limited multifamily uh, development on the site, uh, but that would be about it. We could, it could be used for commercial or industrial purposes. I think we at the county are reluctant to uh, have it convert to such use just because we want anything that goes here to be a complement to the community and won't become a problem that we're gonna have to come deal with again 20, 30 years down the line. And some of it's being used as a nature conservatory already, right? Uh, the Rocky River Conservancy Group has um, um, uh, as you know, has done some work at various sites along the Rocky River. We would love to work with them to find a way to incorporate what our future plans may be for this site into what they may have going on. Um, uh, what I foresee for the most immediate future for this site, the most important thing for me right now is to finish getting all this debris removed. When these gentlemen are done today, we will have removed over 7,000 tons of asbestos-containing material from the Toxway and the Riverside mill sites. Uh, and once that's done, we will have a very nice piece of property here that's perfectly suitable for public, passive public recreational use. I think that uh, with a minimal investment, we could uh, incorporate some elements into a site design here that would make it a community uh, amenity that's available to all who want to come out and let the dogs run around or throw a frisbee or what have you. And Steve's done a great job with the county. If you don't know Steve, he's 
out there working all the time, you'll probably see him on projects. And if you don't know who he is, then you need to go introduce yourself or get somebody to introduce him. That makes no sense, does it? Uh, across the county at Green Pond Landing, a new amphitheater is under construction and should be complete by the end of June. It is a nice structure with a great view of the lake and it's expected to bring not only weigh-ins for the national fishing tournaments, but concerts, um, potentially plays and other events to Green Pond Landing. And I talked to the county's uh, director of parks, Matt Shell, about the amphitheater. Greg, out here at Green Pond, we're working on the 1300 seat amphitheater. It's going in behind us. We're gonna have seven terraces and we'll be able to, this will be the, the formal weigh-in area for Green Pond Landing. The amphitheater will house drive-through weigh-ins as well as trailered weigh-ins. And the amphitheater will be able to use for other things too, right? Yeah, the amphitheater is going to be, um, the amphitheater is really going to give us some diversity in, in function and events out here. We anticipate, do anticipate concerts, um, different events, 4th of July events in the future. Uh, you know, Green Pond was the, the home of the, an eclipse party in 17, and we saw about 5,000 people out here uh, spread throughout the grass areas and on the hillsides right behind me where we're now going to have seats. And this is part of a, a multi-phase improvements going on out here. Tell me a little bit about what's happened out here with that. So we've we've lost track of the phases. I think they they some of them bleed into the other. Um, we're able to you know when we're able to access additional funds through Sport Fish or through Water Rec. So Green Pond's original phase was purely infrastructure. It was boat ramp, perimeter road, and parking to to house fishing tournaments. It was part of a of a multi-phase plan that included additional launch lanes, additional courtesy docks, an amphitheater, a small expo space, as well as additional uh, pavilions, day use, uh, several, different, um, several, several different amenities that you would look for at a lakeside park. But since then, what all has been added? Okay. So since phase one, we've added additional courtesy dock. We've paved all the parking lots in Green Pond Landing. We opened up the restroom about a year and a half ago and we've installed a power project up top to be able to house some of our uh, high-profile events that require overnight uh, battery charging for boats. And this is the, remind people what, what's special about the, the launch here, the deep water launch Okay. Here. So what's special about Green Pond Landing is that we can accommodate 35 feet of water fluctuation. So even at five feet above full pool, we can still keep your feet dry and, and let you access the water. And so our next three launch lanes won't go as deep because we do have the deepest lanes on on the 56,000 acre lake. Green Pond has been funded by PCB settlement funds. It's been funded heavily by DNR through the water rec funds, legislative delegation, and then also the, the federal sport fish funds. That's DNR has been, SCDNR has been our largest funding supporter and sponsor of this project. They're, they take a lot of pride out here. Green Pond, Green Pond is, is both regionally and nationally known uh, for its, for its progressive thinking and planning for lakeside recreation and angling tournaments. How has that benefited Anderson County economically? So Green Pond Landing's economic impact is, is significant. It's in excess of $40 million. We have tournaments on, on, on the books for the next three to four years, some tentative, um, some just placeholders. We have, we're going to be the home of the, the fourth Bassmaster Classic on, on the Lake Hartwell Fishery in, in March of 22. And that's, re that's significant in the sense that there's, it'll be the 53rd Bassmaster Classic, and we would have hosted, the lake would have hosted it four times since 2008, and Green Pond would have hosted it three times since 2015. Matt has been working diligently over for more than a decade to get this stuff going on, as well as working at Dolly Cooper Park. And we'll talk more about the Saluda River Valley next uh, podcast, but uh, doing a great job.
And then over, meanwhile, over at Anderson County Paul, somebody else is doing a great job. The long-awaited dog park is seeing some real progress in digging and uh, things going on. The new facility aims to be not only a place for walking dogs, but they hope it'll be like a, a community place for parties and movies and get-togethers, birthday parties, things like that. And Dr. Kim Sanders, who is in charge of Paws and has done a great job out there, offered this update on what's going on at the dog park and at Paws. So um, we are under underway with our construction at the dog park. We um, have, have started last week and today they are pouring concrete for our um, foot pad right at the back door and for the walkways so it's it's really exciting to see everything moving and, and going out there um, we're hoping to have everything completed within the, the next three months that's kind of the, the schedule um, some of that depends on materials so I know that fencing is really difficult to get right now um, so hopefully these guys have a, a stock of it somewhere and um, you know that that's kind of the plan right now so we're we're really hopeful that everything will be up and ready and you know, allow us to use it for the for the end of the summer. So we're super excited. You're in it every day, but for people who aren't, remind people what that dog park's gonna be when it's finished. So it's really gonna be more of a community center than just a dog park. Um, you know, obviously we'll have lots of separate dog play areas, but it's also gonna have a great amphitheater. Um, it's gonna have some different shelters. It's gonna have a big um, porch out back. So it's gonna be a great place to just come and hang out. You know, you don't have to have a dog. You don't have to bring a dog. You don't even have to play with a dog. Um, but eventually we'll wanna be able to, to offer back to our community and do movie nights in the amphitheater, um, you know, puppy yoga and, and different activities like that. So it, it'll be a really great place for people just to come together, um, to be able to enjoy some sunshine, obviously to be able to enjoy some dogs as well. So we're really looking forward to having that spot for our community. And is there a name for it yet? Do we have a... No. No, we anybody just got some money? dog park. Yeah, right? Yeah, so uh, got a million anybody want to name it, come on out. You know, throw us your ideas and, uh, and your cash. We'll be happy to to take that into consideration well, for sure. Well, well, I got you here. Let's give me a quick update. What's happening at Paul's? Anything new? I know, you know, we've had a busy, crazy year and a half. Is it, what's going on right now? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, we've been here the whole time, every day. You know, people don't always understand that it's a 365-day a, a year operation. But, yeah, we're back now, um, open to adoptions. Uh, we've opened up on Saturdays again. So our adoption hours are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from noon until 5. Um, and then we're still obviously doing intake. Those are by appointment only unless there's some sort of an emergency. Um, that allows us to keep our population balanced, you know, so that we don't become overcrowded. So, you know, we're, we're busy as ever around here taking care of animals. So we, we desperately need adopters and fosters, especially for kittens right now. Um, you know, the kitten season is, is on way, so we've got tons of puppies and kittens, and that definitely keeps us busy this time of year. So y'all restocked for the animals. Restocked. <laughs> we put in our order, right? People come in, they're like, oh. ran out there. That was unusual. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. You know, it was the first time in the history of, of Anderson County that we had emptied the shelter. So um, we knew it wouldn't last very long, but it's a really incredible feeling. It was really great for staff morale as well um, and for the public. You know, it's something that had never happened here. And with great management and great staff and, and great support from everyone in the community, we were able to do that. So, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of animals. We've got uh, close to 100 back in the, in the facility right now um, so yeah we're we're back at it full full speed and of course full speed out at Paul's is 24-7 taking care of the pets and uh, finding forever homes for them they do a great job out there and if you're looking for a pet and ready to commit to one get out there and get you a dog or a cat and you'll be glad you did and finally another longtime project is the cleanup of the old Viva Tire recycling facility it's underway over on Abbeville Highway that place has been a hazard and a mess for years fires and people squatting on the property and crime and all sorts of things. So the county is really getting uh, urgent in their cleanup of this property now.
and Anderson County Solid Waste Director Greg Smith had this to say about the cleanup. Well, basically, we have the Viva uh, Tire of the Upstate. It's a recycling tire type center and all that. Uh, it closed down back in 2017. It originally started up in 2014. Uh, before that, it was called Anderson Tire Recycling, which was, like I say, back before 2014. Uh, there is a tire lamp monofill on the, the property. And basically, we, we've worked with DHEC over the last few years trying to get money to clean this property up. It's a fire hazard, a mosquito hazard. Uh, you have homeless folks coming through. You have homeless coming through. We've actually had four fires down here. Two were structural. Uh, two were actually tires themselves. They basically took uh, the two tire fires took 24 hours to put out with the assistance of Homeland Park Fire Department other fire departments in the area. It was 10 fire departments on both of those fires. People who don't understand it, explain why these are a mosquito problem and a fire hazard tires. People don't think about those things. Well, of course, tires made out of oil base and petroleum type product and all that. So when they catch on fire, they, they, they can really, uh, really flame up. And it's a, it's a danger to the community. The tires hold water. And anytime you hold in water and stagnant water and all that, mosquitoes breathe in that. So that was a major issue there. And there's also a, a gas line on the other side uh, that runs through the property. So we have to consider that also. So the county's been working on this a long time to get this taken care of, haven't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's been, ever since 2017, uh, it's been talked about uh, the last two years we've really worked hard in getting the money from DHEC. Uh, we have a $2 million grant right now to be cleaning up on the property. Not to say that's gonna clean the whole thing up, but um, we are definitely uh, working toward to get it cleaned up. We're working with uh, SNME uh, Engineering. They're, they're helping us out with uh, some things from the stormwater standpoint, the cleaning up the project and all. And we're also using a company called CCI that is hauling the, the uh, materials off to two different landfills, one being Twin Chimneys, and one being in Homer, Georgia, to get this material off and handle it safely. Do you have any idea how long this might take to get this all done? We're hoping to be done in three months, but it's three to four months probably. And just depends on weather and things of that nature. And what will this property be usable as once it's all cleaned up? Right now we're just looking at uh, getting it cleaned up, grassing it over, and uh, taking care of it that way right now. Uh, anything else will be determined later. And so the county owns this now? The county does not own it. The county is actually cleaning it up and putting a lien on the property so nobody can develop it or anything until uh, we decide what needs to be done with it. Well, you're talking about DHEC and people cleaning it up. What, I guess the the residue and all makes it hazardous is one of the things they got to do testing and all for? I just want to make sure I understand it. Yeah, I mean, basically, like I said, the, the tires themselves are a fire hazard. So being a fire hazard like that, uh, it can spread across the road uh, into the community and things of that nature. So that's that's the dangerous part about it. Uh, you still have to look at groundwater issues and things like that uh, to see if that needs to be tested and, and checked out. So we're, we're working on that. You're talking about the, this has been a tire uh, recycling landfill for a long time. Do you have an idea how many tires or, or shreds of tires are still out here? Basically looking at the waste tires, there's like 3,500 tons on top of the ground. There's about 5,000 tons estimated to be underneath the ground. So you've got about 8,500 tons on the whole property. How many tires in a ton? You got any idea? Oh, not sure. Probably, I want to say 200 something. 
So it's a mess. It is a mess. But it, it's unique. I I've never seen one like it, and uh, a lot of folks that have come in have not seen a, a cleanup of this nature. But Anderson County is committed to getting it cleaned up. We are committed to get it cleaned up as quick as possible. I know that Greg and the, the neighbors out there, as well as the fire departments and Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns and everybody else has talked about getting this place cleaned up for a long time. And they're really glad to see this project making full progress ahead. They're just dragging truck after truck out of, of wasted tire, tire waste out there. They're going to try to recycle what they can and the rest will be disposed of um, in an environmentally friendly way is what I've been told. And so that's a good project. Well, the pandemic has contributed to some of the delays on these projects and almost every business and governmental agency is still recovering from the year lost to the virus. And among those hardest hit were the renters and landlords, uh, people trying to pay their rent when they weren't working. But with when evictions on hold for a year, it hadn't really come home to roost yet, but now it's getting close. And with evictions looming, Anderson County Council, Anderson County and AIM are partnering, partnering to distribute a $6.1 million grant to help those renters and landlords who were hurt over the past year due to COVID-19. Uh, AIM founder and director Christy King-Brock said the distribution of funds are well underway and that the website and the system for those distribution of funds is working well. Well, let's just do a quick update on where are we on the, the renter and um, landlord uh, thing and um, uh, what's next, do you think? Okay. Um, well, we've had 112 um, applications fully approved and vendors paid. Um, we've spent to date $484,000. And we have 140 applications in the queue. So, it, you know, it, it took a little while, which honestly, Greg, was a good thing because we worked out all the kinks, all the bugs you know, made sure that the platform was not going to crash. Um, so now it's beginning to really pick up. Well, so good. I don't think there's going to be any. We're going to get darn close to spending our allotment. And if I think that they're going to extend it anyway, um, because it sounds like, just from what I have picked up, we're probably doing a much better job than most counties are. Okay. Well, does it, do you think that once the eviction start, it's really going to start slamming in? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. people don't, I mean, unfortunately, we have created a message to low to moderate income families. Wait till you're in a crisis and then we'll bail you out. That's what we condition them for. So the crisis hasn't occurred yet. And it's not going to as long as they keep delaying the eviction. So when the moratorium is lifted, that's when we're going to see people hmm. scramble. Um, but, you know, we've processed 112, and there's 140 applications in the queue. So, you know, and we've already sent 484,000. So it's, it's going to go. And the website's up, and... Um People can find that there. The best place to get all the information quick is probably either aimcharity.org or the AIMS Facebook page. Kind of point you to everything, right? Yeah, and there's a QR code on all the marketing materials and stuff that we have out. And that code takes you directly to the website where you start your application. Okay. Okay. And there's a free application that screens people because the last thing in the world you want is for somebody to go through the process and not even be eligible. Right. You know, where you could have told them that very early in the process. Okay. 
Um, well, I guess the other thing I want to get, ask you real quick, what's going on at AIM? What people can do to help? I know y'all just celebrated, and uh, that's a milestone. And what, what else, what do y'all need, what's going on heading into summer? We definitely need contractors. We need folks that will um, do jobs for us. And we pay, Greg. It's not like we're asking people to do it for free. Okay. But we have $43,000 by the end of... July, um, or the end of June, end of July, um, building wheelchair ramps, doing minor home repairs for the elderly. Right. And we can't find contractors. Yeah, it's we a tough time. For our um, emergency rehab program for state housing. Right. We pay, but the market is so good right now, we don't, we can't compete right. with the private sector. And so, um, one of my board members had a great idea, and she said we need to create a Facebook page that says Contractors Care and get contractors to do one job a year for us. I mean, you think about all the contractors. If we could get one, a contractor to do one job a year. Absolutely. We could knock this out of the ballpark. And some of them with their crews could knock them out quick. Oh, yeah. We're not asking for them to do it for free, right. but we are not going to be able to pay them what the, what the market is. Um, so we, we've just got to get that message out to folks that, you know, we can still use brotherhood groups, um, pivot clubs to build wheelchair ramps, right. um, but we need general contractors to do some of the work. Okay. Okay. We need roofers. We need HVAC people. What other needs do you need going into the summer? Um, we have our summer food for kids program, so we'll, you know, need volunteers to help us. Um, distribute the food. We can use more volunteers doing the COVID relief. Um, we need more women in our Women Insurance Succeeding Program. We need to get the word out there that it's a fantastic program with lots of support. Um, we've got openings that aren't filled yet. Wow. You think that's part of people just getting over the virus and all that still kind of a hangover? I think there's a lot that plays into it. Um, I think we, we had some staffing changes and I'm not sure I had the right people in place. I'm sure I didn't have the right people in place for a period of time. And it takes a little while to recover from that. Right. Right. But you're excited about all that's going on. Y'all are staying busy. Everything's going pretty good overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got the best team, Greg, ever. I mean, the morale at the office is good, um, the camaraderie, and especially Friday night, you know, kind of talk to most everybody in their life. You know, it was so cool to be in there. We felt like we got to celebrate, and we were celebrated. That's great. AIM, as Christy just mentioned, uh, held their 30th anniversary gala Friday, and they celebrated more than three decades of service to our community, and no single charity has done more for our friends and neighbors in need over that time than AIM. If you can donate or volunteer, reach out to them at aimcharity.org or check their Facebook page. And as she said, they're in critical need of contractors whom they will pay to help. They're not looking for volunteer contractors. They're looking for people they can pay to help. Well, Anderson County is now on track to approve the fiscal year budget in record time. Council passed on second reading this past week the fiscal year 2021-22 budget. And it has to be uh, passed by one more, after, there has to be one more finance committee meeting, which will be open to the public before voting on the final reading June 1st. And as one who remembers the wars over some of these budgets over the past years, 
many times the budget went till after midnight on June 30th, which was the deadline to pass. It's a really nice change to see this council that's been working on this since early spring. And um, County Council Vice Chairman Brett Sanders talked a little bit about the budget and his recap of the most recent council meeting. Hello, Anderson County. This is Brett Sanders, Anderson County Vice Chairman Council, District 4. I'm going to recap May the 18th council meeting. It was a, a short meeting, a little less than 30 minutes, so this is going to be short as well, I promise. One of the first things to, on today's agenda was we had the introduction of the new library director, Miss Annie Sutton. She's been with the library, Anderson County Library System for over 15 years. She is committed to the community. She's creative, innovative, and we're lucky and glad to have her on board. So if you go by the Anderson County Library, stop in and say hello. Ordinance third readings tonight, we only had one. It was previously Project Greenlight, which we now know uh, is Old Dominion Freight Lines. They're uh, doing a 50,000 square foot logistics warehouse. Uh, $8.65 million investment, 27 full-time jobs with benefits. Uh, the previous taxes on the property were $25,000 last year. Uh, estimated taxes for 2022 is $84,000, and it's going to be a, a $4.4 million impact for Anderson County over the next 30 years with an average pay of $28 per hour. Second reading, we uh, adopted our budget second reading um, i'm chairman of the finance committee as well right now we have a budget that is balanced we have a budget that has zero tax increase we also have a budget with our two mil, uh, two month reserve which help uh, helps the county to maintain its uh, excellent bond rating um, everything is has went uh, fairly smooth on the budget this year we know that we're looking to uh, have the final reading and the budget adopted by June the 1st. I think we're on schedule and target to do so. Uh, we will be having another finance committee meeting. There was a couple of things, not really issues, but uh, some things that we needed more information on that was emailed actually today to me and to our fellow uh, committee members on the committee. And we will be having a hopefully the last finance committee meeting coming up very soon and we can get this uh, budget adopted. Uh, we also had a second reading an ordinance to amend section 38-353B or D, excuse me, and it was regarding private roads, which we discussed uh, the last time. And I'll hit over just a few of the highlights. Um, all the private roads must meet stormwater requirements, have uh, named E911 address, must be built to county standards, serve a maximum of 10 lots with a minimum of two acres, has to be professionally engineered, must be uh, no subdividing is, is not, subdividing is not allowed, uh, recorded in the deeds, covenants, and restrictions, and everything must be proved by the county, DOT, or any other, any other uh, governmental agency that uh, must be maintained by the property owners and the developers. The road, uh, road must be recorded uh, in the deeds, covenants, and restrictions. It must be approved by SCDOT or any other governmental agency before a preliminary plat will be approved. Uh, ordinance first reading tonight, there was zero, <coughs> excuse me, ordinance first reading was none. 
resolutions was were none. Uh, we had a bid approval from the Anderson County Transportation Committee. It was uh, number 120, a, a resurfacing project that uh, I'm glad to say a, a local contractor, Pickett's Construction, got the paving contract and they're going to be doing uh, 1.51 miles of roads and projects in the city limits of Anderson County. That uh, bid for the project was $808,653. We also had a report from the Finance Committee. Uh, basically, uh, we voted unanimously to approve the ACTC road project. We also approved to move the budget forward second reading. And we also had some budget transfers that were primarily housekeeping, some insurance things and some insurance issues. We also uh, approved some budget transfers from certain departments, uh, basically to balance out, to subsidize or to fund uh, increases in insurance premiums and basically just day-to-day uh, -day operational stuff that was overlooked or not really overlooked, but uh, exceeded our estimate, estimate estimates. And that was uh, came unanimously. And finally, from the Finance Committee, we had the uh, coronavirus state and local fiscal recovery funds. Uh, we were informed that the county was is eligible to receive $40 million. Uh, it came before our finance committee. We actually approved the county to vote or council to vote on accepting those funds. Uh, during the next uh, finance committee meeting, we're hoping to have uh, the strings that are attached with it. It's not like we just got $40 million and we can spend it at will on, on random things. Um, it will have uh, guidelines and restrictions and hopefully uh, it will be able to help uh, subsidize or support some of the departments that were hit stronger during the coronavirus. And hopefully there'll be some, some other things in there that we can uh, get done to make Anderson County a better place. So. I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, again, it's uh, May the 22nd through the 28th is voter safety uh, week in the month of May. So as you're out on the water, enjoying the water, having a few cocktails, uh, please remember to be safe, wear a life vest, life jackets, uh, keep an eye out for the kids and the other boaters and jet skiers out there and just have a good time. Thanks, guys. As Brett said, he is head of the Finance Committee, and they have done a great job. There is no tax increase in this budget, and that's at least in part uh, due to the fact that economic development in Anderson County did not miss a beat during the pandemic year. Uh, Anderson County has continued to add jobs. They've added about 600 jobs since first of the year, and almost all those jobs pay $20 and more, some $28 and up. And Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns talked about the wages, about growth, about the budget, and some other current issues that are going on in Anderson County in his May interview with the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. Is, uh, May's all, more than half over, and we've had some half-decent weather of late, which has allowed construction projects to continue forward. Let's start with Toxaway Mills cleanup. Um, how long has the county been working on that, and how close are we? The county's been working on that for 15 years. That is a 15-year project. And if everything goes well today, which is Friday, it will finally be completed after 15 years. So we're very excited about that and cleaning up that area and that mill 
is going to do wonders for that area. And we're very happy that we've finally been able to do this by cobbling money together from here, there, and other places to finally bring that to fruition. It's kind of still up in the air about what the property will be used for, is it? Very much up, up in the air about what we will use it for, but I can assure you that if it is not something that would be of tremendous benefit to that neighborhood, the council won't consider it. And it may be the fact that until something, you know, really remarkable happens, it might make a nice urban forest. Yeah, and green space there would be nice. Huh? A green space with trees. Another project that's been on the radar not that many years, but a few years, is the Viva Tire Recycling Center. Uh, Y'all clearing that up now, too? And they began this week, and they're going gangbusters down there. If you go by the Viva site, uh, you will see uh, truck after truck after truck hauling tires away from there. Those tires that can be recycled will be recycled. Those that can will be sent to an appropriate uh, landfill facility. You just can't go take them anywhere. And we're going to clean that side up. And I can assure you the council's idea on that is to let that turn into a beautiful forest. And there's probably more tires under the ground out there than we can see on top. That's how yes. much digging they got to do. And, and they're doing a lot of digging. And, and one person said they're digging a hole and putting all the tires in it. And that is not true because we have an inspector on site. And as a matter of fact, I've been there twice this week looking at the work, the progress, because it will be a great day when the Homeland Park Fire Department doesn't have to go down there at night at 3.30 in the winter to put out a fire. And I won't have to go down there at 3.30 at night when it's raining to watch them put out a fire. And a tire fire is not easy to put out. No, it's just, there's, we can't even get started on how bad that is for the environment of no, tire fire. No, uh, Not quite as much digging done yet, but they do have the sidewalks in, some of the concrete. I was talking about the Paul's Dog Park up to date. What's the latest you've seen on that? Uh, they're actually working out there right now as we speak on the dog park, which has been a long time in coming. Uh, a great deal of that work, at least $250,000 of that work on the dog, dog park comes from donations and grants from institutions, uh, community-based foundation grants, and we're very pleased about that and we're glad to finally kick that off. And it's not just going to be a place to take dogs, hopefully. No, hopefully it's going to be a, a place where we can take animals from the shelter and let you look at them in a nice environment. It's also a place where we can walk animals at the animal shelter but it's also going to serve as a community park and have community events. So you could say it's a dog park, but you could equally say it is a people's park. And that was council's intent when that began. Well, and that kind of leads to the next and maybe the most wide open construction is going on out at Green Pond Landing. The amphitheater is well underway. Uh, do you know how quickly that'll be able to be used? That will possibly be completed. I know <clears throat> that the initial work will be completed uh, next week, the initial, but that whole facility could be completed by the end of June and ready for use. And it is a beautiful amphitheater at Green Pond Landing, which if you are sitting in that amphitheater, you will have a beautiful view of Lake Hartwell and a killer view of the mountains. And council has spent a lot of time and effort getting that ready 
And so we're very happy that's almost completed. It'll be another great feature at Green Pond. Again, Green Pond is a the premier fishing uh, facility in the southeast, but it is also uh, a park where people can go and sit out there and picnic. And when we have the amphitheater out there, we are hoping that we will be able to have concerts out there, which we will. And we also know we've already been asked by some people, well, we're going to go out there and get married. Well, go out there and get married. And it faces the, like you said, faces the lake, but it's also facing the sunset. So people will be able to sit there and watch the sun go down. Yes, I can imagine people taking a book out there and just sitting there and reading. Well, the weather has sort of allowed roads and bridges to get furiously at work. Again, I know they're working kind of through it, but one of the projects a lot of people have been looking at is the bridge on Shackleford Road. What's the latest on that? It is here. It is done, done and we will have a little ceremony next week, uh, Wednesday at 10, 10 o'clock, I believe, and to officially open that bridge, and we'll have some other little festivities. It's taken us a long time to do it, but we had to go back with a bigger, better, and stronger bridge. And a lot of people think that we don't build bridges, but we actually build bridges ourselves with our crack people in our public works department, which saves us a tremendous amount of money. And we know how those bridges are put together because we did it. And the bridge is going to be named after a family. Uh, yes, yeah, going to be named after a family whose name will remain unknown until Wednesday at 10 o'clock. Well, it's going to be trickier than people think. There's more than one family that's been out there more than 100 years. So. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, what other projects are people seeing progress in across the county now that the dirt's moving off? Well, if you go, and I know this is not something that people get really worked up about, but we're finally going to be able to complete the work at our landfill expansion at the Star facility which is going to allow us to serve the people in Anderson County at that C&D landfill for years to come. But just like every other project that we've had, with all of the rain, we have been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. But this stretch of nice weather allowed the ground to dry out and allowed us to get these things done. And people don't realize how critical the stormwater and the sewer and stuff is to anything else we do, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the bare bones, that's the skeleton, that's the basic infrastructure. Well, speaking of the lake, the Shores of Asbury is pretty far behind schedule right now. Have you heard anything updates on that? Uh, I heard that they hoping to be by July 4th. I think that's a very ambitious schedule. And uh, the work is continuing. And uh, that's where that is right now. And last night there was a public meeting to talk about River Forks, possibility and all. Um, what will be the next step for the county towards considering what to do out there? Well, I think the county will, there were two members of county council there, and I will take, they will take what they heard last night from the citizens, and they will uh, cogitate on that and come up with a solution, which I'm sure the council will want to do to take care of everybody's interest. There are a number of closed core properties on the lake. Um, I know they have to go through a process, but if people rent them, are there restrictions what people can put on those? Or could somebody put something retail on there? I mean, could I go out there and put a gas pump and a convenience store on a dock? I, I can assure you, you will not be able to put a gas pump on Lake Hartwell. Uh, top of my head, there are five marinas on Lake Hartwell. And the Corps of Engineers will tell you that they want all of those to be successful endeavors. So I doubt you will see another marina on Lake Hartwell. So there are restrictions? What yes, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, 
County Council's passed two readings on the fiscal year 2021-22 budget. Mm -hmm. uh, what have been the biggest challenges putting that budget together this year? Biggest challenges is have been getting over COVID. And I know people are sick of COVID. I'm more sick of COVID than anybody can imagine. But trying to put a budget and trying not to have a tax increase, which council has managed to do both. I think it's a very good budget. It will not have a tax increase. And uh, we hope to have third reading on June the 1st and put that to bed, which will be the earliest budget that we have ever done. I was going to say, I can remember budgets cracking the midnight of the night it was due. So but, this will be the earliest budget. But our finance committee, uh, Chairman Brett Sanders, they worked diligently on the budget and they've kept council informed as to what, what's going on. So it's been, it's been remarkably smooth so far. When we talk about the pandemic year, how did it affect the budget's bottom line for the year? Did we? Well, I mean, you had certain situations. Take the solicitor's office because they were closed. I mean, they were still there doing stuff, but they couldn't do court, a lot of other things. So they were seriously impacted uh, in, in, in collecting monies, and other departments were impacted too. But uh, we've taken that into consideration. The stimulus package is going to help us out a little bit, which we would just. Uh, notified really about the last 10 days that that was available and so that's going to help us catch up and plug some holes. Have y'all figured out how that's 40 million dollars have you figured out what their strings attached are going to be yet? There are there are strings attached and we're still studying the documents as is everybody else in the United States as to what you can and cannot do and then what is the highest and best use of that one-time money? What would it do Anderson County in the long run to make Anderson County safer and uh, more prosperous. Has all the stuff the, from pandemic, like the, this backed up supply lines all over the country, has that effect, affected Anderson County as well? It's affected everybody. If you, grow, if you go by a car dealership, you might notice their lack of cars in some cases because they can't get parts. Lumber's almost doubled in price. I mean, it's gotten so bad, and this is true, I don't say this tongue-in-cheek, but there's a shortage of chicken wings in the country right now. Now, I don't know what COVID had to do with that, but there is a shortage. So it's affected just about anything and everything in the economy. I mean, the supply chains have been broken, and all of that's being repaired. And in a lot of ways, what used to be the way you did things is no longer the way to do things. You know, 20, 30 years ago, we talked about this the thing in manufacturing was just in time. You weren't going to build a warehouse to have parts sitting around. You were going to call the supplier, they were going to deliver the parts, and it was going to run smooth. I don't know, people might not be rethinking, said, maybe we need a little warehouse and have some stock on hand. And the county just approved a warehouse space here. Yes, we did. Uh, the county's also in the process of distributing $6.1 million to renters and landlords. Yes. Um, so far, it's a little bit slow. Um, the uh, Is it going to take the evictions beginning to pick that up? Or? I really do think that the evictions uh, and the ending of the ban on evictions is going to increase that amount of money. And again, if you are a renter or a landlord and you are in arrears with... Uh, your rent and sometimes your utilities, please contact AIM. You can look at the their website. Uh, we've handed out millions of flyers. So please reach out to them and get some help because that's what that money's for. Has um, 
has there been any, any real impact on economic recruitment? I know we've had local development. Any, any impact on economic recruitment during the pandemic? Absolutely not. We had another announcement at council meeting on Tuesday. I think it's 38 jobs, and they're paying around $38, $35 an hour. And we have many more companies that are looking to come to Anderson. Uh, some really new twist on agricultural-based companies, which is exciting, but also uh, companies that are heavy on software looking at Anderson County. So we're excited about that. And uh, all of our companies, just about all of our companies, have jobs available, and they have good jobs available, and they're going to be more good jobs available. And with, uh, we get to that again in a minute, but uh, we've discussed this a little bit before, but when y'all are doing economic development, what are the key elements y'all look for, especially when you're considering incentives for new companies or expansion? How much they pay, what their benefit package so is. Y'all turn down some low income. Low we don't have to do that anymore. Right. We don't have to bring in just anybody who's going to come in here and pay nothing because we don't have to, and we won't do that. Uh, Twelve years ago, our income, median income, medium wage, was around $13 an hour, okay? Now it's almost $21 an hour in 12 years. Now, Greenville's is 24. Council won't be happy until ours is 24, 25. That's real world, real dollars in people's pockets. And those are the type of companies that are coming here. Now they want to be here because of Anderson University, Tri-County Tech, Clemson University, and people who may once their children may have left, and some will because that's just the nature of the beast. But now a lot of those are coming back and a lot of them never leave. And Anderson University has been a, a real pipeline to different parts of the state bringing in, I, I know some of our interns, I think we had one time two interns from AU, but they were from Columbia. And they aren't leaving. They're staying here. And so that's very exciting, and that's very good. And Clemson's always had that problem. People graduate, and they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave the area. So we're creating opportunities for them to stay here. And uh, with that comes a lot of challenges, and we're trying to manage growth as we do that too. And that's what we spend about half of our time on right now is managing growth because in the Powdersville and Pendleton area, it is wide open. I don't think Pendleton has really hit full acceleration yet, but it will. Uh, we have close relationship with every town that we work in, but working with the town of Pendleton, I mean, they really are getting slammed with opportunities and some exciting opportunities because, in essence, Clemson has said, we're closed. You don't want to go towards the other way of Seneca too much. And Central, they've got their own thing going. You really can't go north in Clemson. So all of that is streaming down Clemson Boulevard as hard and as fast as it can. And you're going to see activity, activity on Liberty Highway because in 30 days our new well pine sewer project will be complete. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, line was completed this week, but now we have to do the checking and the permitting and get DHEC's permission. So that's going to allow us a lot more capacity in that area. And it's growing both from the, like I said, from North and from Clemson and from Greenville. So, but uh, it's also now affecting Piedmont. And I was in Belton yesterday for the opening of the Bubblegum Trail in Belton, which is a wonderful community project that Anderson County Council was glad to participate. 
to a small degree with money and expertise from my roads and bridges department. But there was a huge crowd. That trail was opened, and they named it the Bubblegum Trail. And they named that after an engineer who used to have come through three times a week there. And there was always a little girl who would go out early in the morning and watch the train go by. So the engineer became, you know, he said she's there all the time. So he started throwing out bubblegum to her when he went by. And then that grew and grew, and he became the bubblegum engineer. So they announced the bubblegum trail yesterday, and it was really awesome. Uh, one of the projects that was slowed is the Courthouse Square property. Are we still seeing any movement on that? No. Still not? COVID, COVID shut that down, and, and nothing's moving on that. I guess what you could talk about downtown is School District 5 is moving into the old First cool. Citizens Bank. Mm -hmm. So they closed on that, I think, last week. They did. And so they'll be moving in there and upgrading that spot. And both those buildings, really. That, yeah. Sitting there. And that one's hard to, for anybody else to use other than a little bit of office space. And so what's going to happen there, that's going to put more people on the streets in downtown Anderson. You know, the Palmetto building over there is almost finished. That's going to be a great addition to downtown. And yeah, some other Condominiums that people, right now it's 100% full. Yeah, so, I mean... If you, if you build it around here, they're going to come. We met with developers this week who were interested in the old Anderson Mill property, and we met with some developers who are interested in the old Equinox Mill, which the county owns, which after we've completed Toxaway, that's where we're going to Equinox Mill and get that cleaned up, and hopefully that won't take 15 years to do. And that, that will really allow for more expansion. For, it certainly yeah. will allow for more expansion. One of the things that is back in close to full swing is the Civic Center. Seems to be people out there all the time. Been concerts. The fair was just there. And Celebrate Anderson's back on Labor Day weekend schedule. Um, got any announcements for Celebrate Anderson yet? Or are we waiting? We're, we're waiting because we're trying to figure out who would be the right fit. What the headliner would be. What the right headliner would be. So we were talking about that this morning, but we just completed the fair, a 10-day run, and they set attendance records at the fair like they've never seen before. And good weather for a change. And we had good weather. They had one down day, and it seemed like that went over very well. We heard many comments about how clean it was, how friendly everybody was, but it was good. Anything else coming to Civic Center other than Celebrate Anderson? We've got a concert coming up. A Christian concert, and we've got several other things because now it's opening back up. And you know, in the old days, if you were in a in the music business, you could make a lot of money if you had a very successful record, and you still can. But where you have to make your money now is in touring and concerts. That's where the money is. So a lot of people who quit touring and a lot of people who didn't do it a lot are now back in full force. And they force. lost a year last year. And they lost a year last year. So I think, and I know that we've already been contacted by three different groups wanting to do something at our amphitheater big time. And that's been a long time coming. How about, is there an update on the Duke generator project there? Uh, we're still waiting on Duke to put it in. Everything's been done, but we're ready. Okay. Uh, how about updates for Kid Venture Park? Uh, we had a meeting on that this week. And the next thing we're going to do is the bathroom, and we're collecting the money to do that. I really want to do the other part, but we're still chasing money for that. We've got a uh, partial update on the census data. Uh, what was your take on that? Did we get a good count? I don't put any faith in that. I don't know where that information came from. And 
I'm waiting for the real census to come out. If I had to make a guess, I'd say 205, 205,000. I could be wrong, but, but we'll see. But we won't see until September. And that's a lot of growth in 10 years, I mean. Well, in 10 years, just, we're looking probably at 25,000 mm -hmm. more people in Anderson County, and that doesn't count the people who came in last week. Right. And I can assure you that more came in last week. And I mean, the stories you hear in the, in the real estate industry, I mean, they just boggle your mind. People coming in here and buying 10 houses they've never seen. And paying up for them. And paying up for them and people buying a house and then they get in a bidding war. Uh, other good news, uh, Anderson County's got a new librarian and uh, she uh, is no stranger for places, the, the Great Faith Line who just retired. Uh, they've been doing a lot of stuff during pandemic to be creative and they got a new garden out there at the library. Have you been out to the new garden? They had a dedication of the new garden uh, this week and... Uh, Mr. Wooten, when he was on county council, gave them a significant contribution, as did a lot of other people. And it's a beautiful space right there at the library. They have beautiful plants. It's just a gorgeous place to go. It'd be a beautiful place to go read a book. But they have story time out there for kids. And some of us are asking them to have story time for adults so we can just go hang around in the garden. And the Anderson County Museum is in the process of one of the biggest overhauls they've had uh, uh, you want to talk a little bit about that new permanent exhibit and when it might be complete? We probably need $150,000 more off the top of my head to complete Andersonians and more. It is going to be huge, it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be unlike anything anybody's ever seen. So we're really excited, really appreciate Beverly Childs and the great job that she does out there and her fantastic ability to raise money and her taste and passion for that, for that museum. And the county rebooted a crackdown on illegal road signage last month. How's that going? It went very well, and, and, and usually it takes them about 10 days to put them back up. And so then we have to do it again. So people don't need to misread that, that you're only going to do it once or twice a year. They, they don't need to misread that. need to that. be reminded. Absolutely. And I also remind people that we have four litter officers that are enforced litter laws every day, and we too have two <clears throat> groups from the sheriff's department comprised of prisoners who go out and pick up uh, trash five days a week. And so, I mean, if you see an Anderson County truck with a long trailer on it, we're out picking up litter. They had a successful litter pickup in Powdersville two weeks ago. <clears throat> the county was heavily involved in that as well as <clears throat> the fine people in Powdersville. And so we're always fighting that battle, constantly fighting that battle. I think Honey and Pass got a cleanup fixing to happen. Yep, yeah. Honey and Pass is coming up. What, uh, any, any job announcements coming that I didn't ask you about? Any new jobs? Well, the ones that uh, County Council we just did last week. Council, yeah. And then <clears throat> we have some that we're waiting to be able to announce. But yes, we have more jobs coming. But I mean, just right around, everybody has a help wanting to sign out. Everybody has a help wanted sign, and everybody needs help. So if you don't have a job, you don't want a job, or you can't get to the job. When you, and let's talk about that. You talked about the transportation. And we're still looking at that, trying to find a way that we can do door-to-door -door transportation. For shift it, workers, particularly. For shift workers, because not all of the plants operate on the same shift. If we run a bus up there, do you, do you orient it towards this factory, or that factory, or that factory. So, in essence, you're not gonna do anything. There has to be a different solution. But I will say, one thing on transportation, 
hopefully June 1, our veterans van will be on the road and be able to pick up veterans from their doorstep and carry them where they need to go. And the only reason we haven't done it now is because of COVID. We didn't want to put somebody in a van with a driver and they, are, they may already have an impaired health situation. So we're trying to let COVID get away before we start that process. And that just rang a bell with me. Is it, are we going to get back to the senior meals thing here soon? Yeah, and interesting things on that. Anderson County and Meals on Wheels partnered on that senior nutrition program. So we got the grant. We uh, worked with Meals on Wheels. And now it is up and running. And so really it's a county operation right now but it has been going so wonderfully well that Meals on Wheels is going to completely take that and operate it on their own. So it's almost like the county gave birth to the senior nutrition program, and we're very excited about that, to feed seniors in our county and all around our county. And Meals on Wheels, as you know, do a wonderful, remarkable job. And they've been doing a wonderful, remarkable job. And as things start opening up, it's going to be better. And I also want to encourage people, while we have not much produce at the Anderson County Farmer's Market right now, but it's open on Saturday morning. And if you go down there and you want plants, you find beautiful plants down there, beautiful flowers, beautiful crafts, any kind of sweet that you might want to have, and a few vegetables down there, early season vegetables. But you should go to the Anderson County's Farmer's Market and it opens at eight o'clock and you will be amazed at what's there and you'll be supporting our local economy and our local artisans and farmers. And before you and I meet again, it'll be open in full swing in the next two weeks. We'll, Absolutely. Be, tomatoes will start coming in yep. June. And Anything else coming this summer we hadn't talked about? There's several things, but I can't remember what they are right, right now. All right, well, finally, the most important thing, and this, the question on everybody's mind, it's less than six months now until Anderson County will be putting up the new Christmas tree. Yes. The, the, the Christmas tree again. And it's grown every year since being purchased more than five holiday seasons ago. What can people expect from the downtown Christmas tree on the court square this year? It is being watered and fertilized right now as we speak. Electric fertilizer? Still? Electric fertilizer. Now, water works with electric fertilizer? Well, it, it's special water. So we, we're expecting it to grow some more, and we're expecting to be able to have the usual Christmas celebration downtown rather than three people out there turning the lights on. And we're very much looking forward to that in a mostly COVID-free environment. And it'll go up the week before Thanksgiving temporarily, and we'll be ready. That's why I said it's less than six months. That's right. And it's going to be a beautiful time. Well, we'll catch up in a month and talk about all the vegetables and everything else, and... Until then, we're done. Thank you. Uh, while the county is taking care of that, meanwhile, Anderson County Fire Commission won a special referendum uh, to get a tax increase from many of the citizens. Not all the citizens in the county will be affected by this, but many will. Uh, it was a special election referendum held last week, and the measure passed by 83 votes out of more than 4,500 votes cast. And while it didn't total support uh, of our county's firefighters and firefighter leaders is, is a desperate need. Uh, the Anderson Observer saw this referendum as something with details too hazy and too vague. And uh, I, I found agreement in more than two dozen phone calls and emails I received from firefighters around this county. They were hoping for something a little more detailed and maybe to wait a little bit longer until they had more details because many said they'd not read it and didn't know anything about it. 
you can see the budget for the fire commission at the fire commission's thing. So let's just hope that this all works out well. Uh, these men and women deserve the compensation and equipment they need to perform a much needed and dangerous service, and we're all indebted to them. And we'll let's hope this works out well. It's been a little over a week ago now, but this year's annual South Carolina chili cook-off in Belton returned after being shut down last year because of the virus. Um, cooks from more than a dozen states took part in the competition, including the world champion from Ohio. And But the competition was closed to the public this year, and it was held at the Belton Rec Center instead of downtown. And actor, acting mayor Eleanor Dunn uh, had this to say about this year's event. Um, tell me about what makes this year's uh, competition different. Well, this year we we um, had to make a last-minute decision just to leave it to cooks only, the professional cooks, and, you know, we hated that for the community, but at the time the governor had not lifted regulations, so we just had to make a last-minute call. But it's, it's worked out great. I think they're happy, and we got a great place here at the community center for them to do it, and it's beautiful weather. Yeah, the cooks seem to be pretty happy. I know you got the world champion here. Right. Right, right, and and this will, you know, we'll have this event today and another one tomorrow, so that gives everybody two chances if they want to get involved to, to make it to the next round. So it's, it's, um... It's so this is the 11th, or do you count last year? You don't count last year's 10th or 11th somewhere. Right, I think it's the 11th, no, we don't count last year, even though our t-shirts and our, our memorabilia all has last year, but, you know, we, right. <laughs> everybody why, understands that. Why is this always such an important, uh time for the community to have this this state cook-off here um you know it's 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 bringing the world to belt i mean these people are coming we have one flew in from texas this is last year i think we had somebody from alaska it's it's these people are great they love it they're passionate about it and it's fun to watch them be that passionate about it and, and to be a part of it is in the community gets to we have also the 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 non-professional division, which the churches and the fire department, the police department, all those get involved. So it's, it's just a way for everybody to come together and, you know, do a big community event. What's your favorite kind of chili? The Verde. Why do you like the Verde, you think? I don't know. When I first had to judge it, I was a little bit skeptical, and I just it's really good. I was surprised. It's, it's a green chili and pork or chicken. It's usually white meat, but it is delicious that's what I just had to do the tiebreaker for it's is really good now how much chili have you eaten today um, I've just been called in to, to do the tiebreaker stuff so I had um, two home style two salsa three home no three home style two verde and then the, the reds getting ready to happen so not as much as uh, the regular judges have now what do they do with all the chili that's left over it's up to the cooks you know sometimes they'll when the event's going on, per usual, they can share with the public, or um, I'm not sure. They can do what they want to with it. I'm not sure what they do with it, but you could ask the cook. <laughs> <laughs> and come in, uh, tomorrow there's a, a sister event with this order. Right, it's called Kegs and Eggs, and it just gives everybody, a, it's a total separate event, and it just gives everybody an opportunity to, to qualify to go to the world again. So, you know, the people driving from really long distances it's it's a two-shot deal instead of one-shot deal so Matt Lust came up with that plan and now where is now he finally gets a break he finally gets and a break he's gonna cook <laughs> and he's not here what's the does he so tired from doing all I these? think so I think it so. Takes him it, a year it's to... overwhelming it's, it's a lot to take on it it's it's 
to pull off an event, even though it's the public's not involved, it's, 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 it's stressful. You want to get it right. But he, we, um, he, he's certainly been available by text and phone call to talk us through it. Our first year, Gene and I handling it together. Um, but I, I think I think it's gone well. We're proud. And next year, back downtown. I hope so. I That's hope the plan. so. And Matt's gonna cook next year. I hope so. We, you know, and and um, combo kings normally play when we're downtown. You know, we we missed out on a lot, but you know, we had to make that last second call, and that just seemed to be what we needed to do. And one thing you did get to do, you got to show off your rec center. Tell That's people right. who haven't That's seen right. it about your. Yeah, this the community. armory. The South Carolina National Guard gave the city this armory years ago, and our council at the time and our rec director had the Ford site to turn it into a um, health center for the most part. We've, we've, we've got elite physical therapies, has an office here. We have a weight room, a fitness room, a gym. For a small town, it's, it's just a great facility to be able to come to, to walk, to exercise. Our senior citizens are really taking advantage of it because they don't like going driving to Anderson. You know, Anderson's got, you know, the wine that um, rec center there is great, but that's, you know, that's kind of tough on them. So they have loved just being able to get in their car and drive five minutes and come do their their workout. And so does everybody else. I mean, and then, of course, we're starting a lot of adult um, league stuff like dodgeball, kickball, and then, of course, our regular youth um, rec stuff. So. It's an awesome place here. It, you you got to see it to appreciate it. It's, I'm very proud of how this turned out, this project. Uh, Belton will elect a new mayor in a June 22nd special election next month. And uh, Eleanor Dunn is one of the candidates in that race. And her experience on city council there and leadership during both the interim and the months leading up to, to the interim time uh, make her an ideal candidate. So, but whoever you want to vote for, I encourage you to get out and vote. And meanwhile, Anderson County Council District 2 We'll choose a new council member on Monday. Democrat Glenn Davis will face Republican David Standard to fill a seat left vacant by the death of Gracie Fuller earlier this year. The Anderson Reserve Podcast, News from People You Trust, will have interviews with both those candidates later this week and a special podcast. So stay tuned for that. And in other news, uh, graduation season is upon us. School District 1 will kick it off with uh, Thursday graduations for all three high schools at Bond Secures in Greenville. Palmetto is scheduled for 9 a.m., Powdersville noon, Wren at 3 p.m. And then also on Thursday, District 2 BHP has their uh, graduation scheduled at 6 p.m. at Bond Secure. So it's Anderson Day over at Bond Secure on Thursday. And District 3 Crescent is set for a 9 a.m. graduation June 3rd at the football stadium. District 4 Pendleton High School is set for a June 11th graduation at 6.30 at their football stadium. And District 5 will have both Hannah and Westside holding graduations at their respective football stadiums at the same time, June 16th at 9 a.m. So let's hope for good weather and they all have good graduations of that. All of our teachers and administrators, uh, they really are deserving of a huge thanks this year for helping our students navigate through a tough year and helping themselves get through a tough year. And I know it's been tough. And they've got a, t a lot of them are having to take care of summer school as well. If you know an educator or are one, we, we thank you. Um, if you do have a friend or a, or a neighbor or a relative who's an educator, show them a, in a concrete way you, how much you appreciate them. Give them a gift card somewhere from, to eat to tell them you appreciate what they did this year. In other education news, Anderson County, Anderson University has already held their graduation and is getting ready for a new school year. And one of the major things of the year coming up is the launching of the new School of Engineering. 
And recently, Electrolux of Anderson donated $300,000 towards that effort, which promises to be a real addition to the community. And I hope to soon have an interview with the new dean of the uh, College of, School of Engineering at AU, and we'll talk more about that. So watch the Anderson Observer for that. AU also received a huge donation from Anderson Dr. Terry Holdridge, who's a really nice guy, good guy. I've known him well for a long time. He's been serving this community for decades and also serving the poor around the world and as a volunteer doing medical work. So we really appreciate his efforts. But he has donated the building which formerly housed Bearwood Surgery Center to Anderson University to be used by AU's nursing program as a center for education. And Holdridge is another person who's really deserving the community. Thanks for doing this. It's a beautiful facility and I'm sure it will be used well by the university. In other good news, Anderson County has chosen a new head librarian for the countywide library system. That's Annie Sutton, who many of you already know. I've known her a long time. She's no stranger to libraries. She's served for more than 10 years in the system, including most recently a stint as assistant director. And she has a passion and a mission for the library and for books and for this community. And she will be a wonderful replacement for the very hard to replace Library Hall of Fame member Faith Lyon, who retired last month. So we all look for great things from Annie Sutton and wish her the best. On Sunday, Anderson native Trav Robertson was re-elected to his third term as the chair of the South Carolina Democratic Party. And at the conclusion of this week's state convention, that was Sunday, he is the son of the Anderson County Departmental Health Director, or former Anderson County Departmental Health Director, Norman Robertson, and longtime T.L. Hannon speech and debate teacher, Gladys Robertson. And he was nominated by the U.S. House Majority Whip, James Clyburn, and the Democratic National Chair, Jamie Harrison, and Anderson County Democratic Party Chair, Tanya Winbush, followed Clyburn and Harrison, and she gave a speech to second that nomination. It's always good to see leaders emerging from our county doing various things around the state and the nation, and we congratulate them. The end of May is a busy time in Anderson County. Anderson County Farmers Spring Market is ready for a full-fledged kickoff for the busy produce market a week from Saturday. And the Anderson Art Center is launching a new exhibit in June, the Pushing Pops exhibit, which looks really cool. If you haven't seen things for that, check out the Anderson Observer newspaper for information on that, or you can check the Anderson Arts uh, Facebook page. The center is also installing new art throughout downtown. I'm sure you probably noticed some of that now. The downtown walking art exhibits are really a good thing for downtown Anderson. And I will be talking to Anderson Center uh, Art Center Director uh, April Cameron uh, soon for the Anderson Observer podcast, probably later this week. Don't forget, the Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust, is brought to you by Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill downtown, one of the top 100 restaurants in the country, Anderson's best fine dining experience, tremendous lunch, tremendous dinner. Uh, you just can't beat Sullivan's. Um, Bill Nickus came downtown when downtown was a ghost town and nobody wanted to be there and built an incredible, incredible place that is known all over the country. And their food just can't be beat. If you want to go for dinner, call for reservations or go for lunch any day. It's a great lunch. As always, I recommend the open face pot roast sandwich. And the BET is starting to show up on their specials, the one of the old specials from the old menu. So check that out as well. Or if you're planning a special event, family reunion, and everybody's getting back together, you can check out Sullivan's Caters. Sullivan's does white tablecloth catering for the prices most people charge for a bunch of uh, 10 pans full of macaroni and cheese. So give them a call from that. And when you go to Sullivan's, tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. And again, watch for that special podcast to drop featuring the council candidates and maybe some other news before next Monday's special election. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.